Thanks everybody for being here today. Um, today we're going to start on the book of Ecclesiastes and do kind of an overview. We're going to watch a, a video, which I, I think the video is very well done uh, by the Bible Project. Um, and um, let me get back to where we were. This is what we did last time. Um, and uh, Ecclesiastes, uh, so we, we talked about Proverbs, and so now we'll talk about Ecclesiastes, and the video is going to talk about some of the differences there. Um, I think Ecclesiastes, I like, I like it. It fits my personality, uh, which tells you something about me. Uh, I was once going to join the Optimist Club, but I didn't think they'd let me in. So. <laughs> um, I got several jokes, maybe. <laughs> We're exploring three books in the Bible known as the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And they're all asking the question, what does it mean to live well in this world? So we've looked at Proverbs, who you could think of as a bright young teacher. She's all about pursuing wisdom, an attribute of God that's woven into reality. And she's optimistic that if you use wisdom, you will build a successful life. But then we come to Ecclesiastes, who's more like this sharp middle-aged critic. And he says, You think using wisdom will bring you success? You'd better think again, because life here under the sun is meaningless. And that's a phrase he uses a lot in this book. But to understand this book, we have to realize first that we're hearing two voices. So first there's the teacher, and we've been calling him the critic. He's the main voice in the book. But he is introduced to us by another figure, the author. And he's the one who's collected the critic's words, and then at the end of the book summarizes everything and gets the final word. So why does the author want us to hear from the critic? Well, he wants to turn your view of the world upside down, and he's going to let the critic explore three really disturbing things about the world. And we should warn you, these are pretty intense. Yeah. So the first is the mark of time, or as the critic says, Generations come and generations go. But the earth, it's been here long before us, and will be long after. No one remembers people from long ago, and all the people yet to come, they too will be forgotten by those who come after them. And so, on a cosmic scale, you and I, we are just a blip. Stars are born, and then they die and form planets which orbit new stars, and those planets, they change over time, and eventually... And amidst this cosmic backdrop, my entire existence is like a blink in time. Which leads to the critic's second disturbing observation, that we are all going to die. Humans face the same fate as the animals. Death. All people, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, those who offer sacrifices to God and those who do not, they all share the same destiny. All this activity and madness, then we all join the dead. Man, this book is depressing. And so is the final disturbing thing for the critic, and that is life's random nature. So in Proverbs, life isn't random. There's a clear cause and effect relationship between doing the right thing and being rewarded. But the fact is that life doesn't always work that way. The critic has observed a glitch in the system. He calls it chance, or in his words, 
The race doesn't always go to the swift, or the battle to the strong, nor does food always come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the educated. Time and chance happen to them all. So his point is that you can't really control anything in life. It's just way too unpredictable. So if I want to master life, then you're setting yourself up for a fall. Now throughout the book, the critic uses a metaphor to tie together all of these disturbing ideas. Nearly 40 times he says that everything in life is hevel. It's a Hebrew word that means smoke or vapor. Like smoke, life is beautiful and mysterious. It takes one shape, and before you know it, it takes a new shape. And smoke looks solid, but try and grab it, it'll slip right through your fingers. And when you're stuck in the thick of it, like fog, it's impossible to see clearly. Now our modern translations have lost the metaphor, and they usually translate hevel as meaningless. But if you read closely, the critic isn't saying that life has no meaning, but rather that its meaning is never clear. Like smoke, life is confusing, it's disorienting and uncontrollable. So, what are we supposed to do with all of it? Well, surprisingly, the critic first of all acknowledges the perspective of the Proverbs. He says it's a really good idea to learn wisdom and to live in the fear of the Lord. Really? I mean, he just said that doesn't guarantee success. But he knows it's the right thing to do. But secondly, and more often, he says that since you can't control your life, you should stop trying. Learn to hold things with an open hand because you really only have control over one thing and that's your attitude towards the present moment. Stop worrying, he says, and choose to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, or the sun on your face, or a good meal with people that you care about. The simple things in life. Yes, and both the good things and the bad, because both are rich gifts from God. And that's the surprising wisdom of Ecclesiastes. Listening to the critic is painful and can lead you into some dark places. And that's why the author speaks up at the end of the book. He does not want you to lose hope, he wants to make you humble. Into someone who trusts that life has meaning even when you can't make sense of it. That one day God will clear the heaven and bring his justice on all that we've done. And so he tells us that the proper response to all of this is to fear the Lord and keep his commandments. And that's the book of Ecclesiastes. Now there's one more voice in the Bible's wisdom literature, and that's the book of Job. And he will bring us the final, much needed perspective on our journey into wisdom. Hey, thanks for watching this video. Okay. Um, why don't we uh, just take a minute and talk with somebody around you about something that stuck out to you from that from the video, and then we'll, we'll come together and I'll try to organize it all, but uh, yeah, so talk to people around you about what you saw in that or what sticks out to you from that, just for a minute or two. Hi. I like to uh, use a Jewish translation.
pretty close to being It's not as good as because at least Next time, get into the authorship of Ecclesiastes, but um, you know Solomon's implied in there. It's, it doesn't ever say Solomon by name, but there's an implication that Solomon's wisdom's here. But it doesn't seem like Solomon is actually the one. So we have kind of what at least Solomon could have learned. So he's the critic who, um, you know. Um, 
one illustration I heard was that a gecko, um, geckos don't have eyelids, so they never blink. I don't know if anybody can confirm that, but um, they lick their eyes to keep them moist. But but the idea is, what would it be like if you always had your eyes open and could never shut them, right? And so Solomon's wisdom is just this intense, he can see, he sees everything, and, or he should have seen everything, um, and what can you learn from that? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the idea of the critic. And then the, the end of the book kind of tries to tie a bow on it all. Yeah. Is that what you had in mind, Fletcher? Yeah. Yeah. How about you guys? Just to enjoy and not worry. Yeah. You know, we were so stressed about stuff. We have zero control over what's just, you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's anti-50s and 60s COC to say you need to be married, but pretty much the way it should be. <laughs> yep, uh, depending on what you're drinking. <laughs> well, yeah. After a while, you just, you know. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, all right, up in here. Anything you want to share? Well, I could go on and on on this as somebody who's made his career being credit. <laughs> um, so I mean that 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 the the random chance uh, kind of naturally. I mean I, I remember in in youth group getting into conversations about random chance as a philosophy of life versus Christianity. Um, so that's that's always been one of the areas that I've been completely. I mean I was just talking about back downstairs with somebody before we got here. Um, but uh, I, I think one of the, the big things that at least two or three of us noticed was the uh, use of the smoke metaphor um, instead of meaningless. And I, I, I read a, a Jewish translation and that their word was pointless, which is a little different than meaningless. Yeah. Still doesn't quite get at the smoke. Yeah. And, and and the smoke really just automatically recontextualizes everything that you read in this. It does, and um, that's really interesting. You know, the what the video suggested the meaning of pebble is is really interesting. I I was aware that there was discussion about what it really means and how we should translate it. And I know there's some classics like vanity of vanities. Uh, our newer translations usually say meaningless, um, but the idea that it's it's not meaningless, it's just hard, difficult to know the meaning, is, is a different... To, to the point of being meaningless. I mean, <laughs> and there, and there's, there's, there's something kind of fitting that the word we had used there, you know, having used the word meaningless, is in itself not... Uh, 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 not a complete meaning. <laughs> yeah. It is less of a meaning. <laughs> yeah. And then the idea of smoke is it's there, but it's, you know, it's. The it grasp it. Yeah, yeah. And, you uh, get it on you. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's a line in Ecclesiastes about chasing after wind, you know, and how impossible that is. So wind is there, but it, you can't catch it. Or can, I guess you can. I, I don't know. Uh, control it some, but yeah. How about you guys?
time to tear down, time to put stones in there. I mean, they're all opposites. There's time mm -hmm. for all the opposite things. So what, is that uh, optimistic or pessimistic? Realistic. <laughs> Realistic. <laughs> well, I mean, in marriage, the traditional vows are in sickness and in health. I mean, you're holding the two things at either extreme. It means it's, it applies to everything. Yeah. And I guess it gets to kind of what we were talking about last week about the key is to know when to do the thing. Mm -hmm. So when to do the one side or when to do the other side is the um, the thing about, um, so it mentions the inevitable march of time, um, the fact that we're all going to die. I did, I checked the death rate before class, it's uh, hovering around 100%. Uh, <laughs> um, not today, maybe, but you know, there was one guy. You know, could change though. Could change. No, I mean, the odds are not great. But not impossible. <laughs> not impossible. Um, and random chance happens to all. Um, so I want us maybe to break up again and, and just think about. You know, what, which of these troubles you the most and why? Or how do we manage life in the face of these truths? Um, one thing I saw from, this is from uh, Blaise Pascal, um, a philosopher, theologian type. Um, I don't know his exact dates. I want to say 16-something. Um Maybe 17-something. Um, this is just on that time thing. He says, The eternal silence of the infinite spaces frightens me. When I consider the short duration of my life swallowed up in the eternity before and after the little space which I feel and even can see engulfed in the infinite immensity of spaces of which I am ignorant and which know me not, I am frightened and am astonished at being here rather than there, for there is no reason why here rather than there, why now rather than then, who has put me here, by whose order and direction have this place and time been allotted to me. He's a Christian philosopher, but, you know, he's a, a thinker, and it's like, why? You know, and, and you think about time, and Ecclesiastes says, you know, you're not going to be remembered very long. I think I remember Sandra Collins talking about this in some context in class or something where she said, you know, you might know your great, a few of us know our great-grandparents, but not well. And then after that, we're done, right? Is that true? I mean, is that right? So what is that? What is knowing that? What lesson should we learn from the fact that there's this, and then you think about space and the fact that we even know more how big it is than the author of Ecclesiastes knew about, you know, in the video they showed about the whole universe and, and just how immense it is. Why, 
why would God create such a huge universe and we're just on this Carl Sagan, the pale blue dot? And how do we manage how do we manage thinking about that? Um, um, so we got time, we got the fact that we're all gonna die. Um, and the fact that random chance happens to all. So um, this morning, so I'm coaching my son's um, little league team. Uh, we won one game out of, I think we're one in five or one in six now. So we got that one win, which is good. But we came close yesterday. We came so close. Uh, two runs short of tying the game. Uh, so one of the plays was, you know, our best players on third base, and they, they just hit a little pop-up, and if we there were two outs, and it, it just barely went over the glove, just barely, and we lost the game. But, and that's just, that's nobody's fault, and it's really nobody's, it wasn't a great hit. I mean, it wasn't, it, I mean, contact, I guess, I mean, you could say that, at least you make contact, their player, um, and we just barely, barely missed it. And then after the game, you know, we're like, oh, 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 oh. so uh, my neighbor sent me this uh, video of a, of, it's a TikTok, I guess, but it's a little league coach telling his team, we're winners. Our goal is to win. Every time we step foot on this field, what do we do? We're trying to win. There are two types of people in the world, winners and losers. And he says, if your dad tells you the goal of this is to have fun, your dad's a loser. <laughs> this is a, vi a video. <laughs> you have a comment? Yes. <laughs> um, I saw a movie, the name of the movie was Troy, I believe. And in that movie is a character named Achilles. And Achilles is trying to figure out whether to go to war or not, and he's a particularly good fighter. He has superhuman strength and skills and as a warrior. And he's in the garden of his mother's home talking to her before he makes his decision. She says, son, as I see it, you have two choices. One, you cannot go to war. You will find just the right wife. You'll have beautiful children and eventually you will die and in the fourth generation after your death no one will know that you ever lived or you can choose to go to war you will get killed in battle and your name will live forever and so I think people sometimes try to become maybe not immortal but less invisible by extending the reach of people that know about them and will know them for a long, long time, whether they are Christians or not. But we as Christians have certainly a different point of view. But I thought that was a particularly yeah. telling scene. So what was the right decision there? <laughs> Did he make the right decision? Well, if he hadn't have made that, I probably <laughs> wouldn't no, we probably wouldn't have an Achilles tendon. <laughs> then we would have changed the entire direction of this class. <laughs> I know, but what good is it to, that we know about Achilles? 
I've cruised the wine dark sea, and it's interesting. What do you mean by that? <laughs> uh, we know of Achilles because of Homer. Okay, yeah. And Homer is the one who yeah. used the phrase the wine dark sea to describe the Mediterranean. Yeah. So we we learn we learn not just from history but from myths and legends and. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I was really thinking about that last line on the screen there. Are we fools to see purpose in life? Restate it by adding a couple of words. Are we fools to see purpose in our own lives? And I think it's perfectly understandable to see purpose in your own life. Whether you expect it to be remembered or not. You may do good just for the period of time that you're here and serve that purpose. Yeah. So it's that, that it's an interesting message. But we live minute to minute, not eternity by eternity. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great point. Yes. But I think we are fools to think we know the specifics of that purpose. No, but we but, know what we're trying to. Yeah, right. Yeah, ex yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I'm I'm not disagreeing. I'm, I'm sort of. I was a journalist for 50 years. I've been on all sides of. Four <laughs> 40, so yeah. Well, one of those, one of those journalists. <laughs> so but, I mean, but 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 and as a journalist, you know that you put words out there meaning one thing, and, and there then be something else. Yeah, and then years later, you find. I had no idea that what I that something that I forgot I said became a central. Well, I remember I was at a funeral once for friend friend of mine from my high school class, and a guy that had died young had lots of problems. There were there were lots of reasons to like this guy. There were lots of reasons not to like this guy. Okay. And and a woman got up and said something about her. First day in our class, coming in, you know, like eighth, ninth grade, something like that, feeling very alone, very out of place, and nobody's really sure how to approach her, what, you know, because she's the new kid. And this guy comes up and just brings her right into the world. And it was the sort of thing, nobody in there. Knew, no, nobody, nobody in his family knew that story. Probably very few people in our class knew that story. He probably forgotten he did that. Yeah. And it changed, it changed her life, and it changed the way that everybody at his funeral viewed his life, something that he had completely forgotten he did. Yeah. And so, yes, to, to, to see the... To, to see that there is a purpose, absolutely. To, to try to match yourself to what that grand purpose should be, absolutely. To think that you have a clue <laughs> how it's playing out in the larger story, hell. Yeah, I second that emotion. <laughs> One of my favorite websites, and I don't know if it's still alive, but it was, it's the demotivators. <laughs> So that you know, some businesses have motivational posters, and this was this is demotivational, and that's kind of a parody of those. But there's one that there's a ship sinking, 
and it says maybe the purpose of your life is to serve as an example for others of what not to do. Maybe that's the whole purpose of your life. <laughs> Which is still a purpose. I, I know somebody that um, counsels like young performers uh, in, in the Christian industry. And goes, it's they talk about their calling and it's amazing. They all feel like they are called to be rich and famous and popular in service to the Word of God, it never occurs to one of them that they may be called, being called to make a fool of themselves in front of the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of the, another thing I remember from the pandemic is the illusion, you lose the illusion that you are in control, right? So, yeah, that's one of the things, this, this humility and this sense of control and realizing oh, we are not in control. I'm not actually can't control this. Okay. Um, well, process this a little bit with some people around you uh, about which of these seems most discouraging. This is a great topic. <laughs> most discouraging. The fact that you're not going to be remembered in time so long. The fact that you're going to die or how random life is. Just take a minute to process this and, and talk with each other. Yeah, I'm going to 
You'll get used to it. <laughs> well, it is a very strange feeling, though, when it's like growing up, you see your grandparents die, and then your parents are there, and then your parents die, and then you're like, oh, I'm next on the yeah. <laughs> It's like, wait a minute. It's, it's, a, it's an odd feeling. Richard Rohr has this, I haven't, I heard this on a podcast, I'm not claiming to have read Richard Rohr, but um, he has this, he says all of life is about learning to let go. It's practice and letting go, and then then you die. I mean, then that death is the final letting go. You just let go. So all of life, we just practice. That's how, for some reason, it's been a comforting thought for me to think about that. That, you know, when disappointing things happen, okay, we're practicing, we're practicing, we're <laughs> getting used to this idea, uh, because eventually that's the way it's going to be, and I can be at peace with that. You know, Over here, anybody, anything to add? Well, on, on number two, it's true that we're all going to die. If, if I understood what Pascal was saying, that what we, what we remember, the fact that we saw that, uh, says that he was wrong because we're now. That's right. Pascal. <laughs> yeah, I quoted him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we did have have. Injury. I may not know my great grandparents. I may not have seen them and talked to them, but I, I do believe that they influenced me. Yeah. Doug Smith. Uh, a lot of people who are going to be influenced by Doug Smith will not go talk to him. Yeah. Now, Lance and Terry will have, and Esther. Yeah. But I can I can believe that he has influenced them and that they will influence their children. Some of you may know about the Zoe group. Well, the Zoe group, Doug and them, largely be responsible for it. Yeah. I can believe that that is not just influencing out of free and people all over the United States. But it's going to have an influence that carries on. It's going to be a ripple effect. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. People that I have never talked to have an influence on me. Uh, Einstein, Paul, yeah. Um, Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, we can't always know what our influence will be. We can manage what we can manage, and that's what. That's what Pascal was doing. That's what Solomon's doing. Let's, I'll do the best I can with what I have. Um, I don't, let's, um, I want to, um, forgot about that. Okay, um, let's look at this passage from Ecclesiastes 9 because it kind of, and I know this is small print, but um, I think this kind of is a good summary of the lesson that we're going to learn. Um, and this is from the Message Translation. Seize life, eat bread with gusto, drink wine or grape juice with a robust heart. Oh yes, God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Dress festively every morning. The literal is always be clothed in white. Don't skimp on colors and scarves. The literal is anoint your head with oil. Relish life with the spouse you love each and every day of your precarious life. That's how they, he translates the hevel. Precarious. I like that translation. I think that gets at what we're talking about. Each day is God's gift. It's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. Make the most of each one. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it and heartily. That's a famous passage. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And Fletcher, that's kind of what I was thinking as you were talking about. We can have an influence that we don't know. So let's you know, do what you can. Um, 
This is your last and only chance at it, for there's neither work to do nor thoughts to think in the company of the dead, where you're most certainly headed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's the message. That's the message that we're going to try to look at in more detail. Is uh, And there, there's something powerful about that. Just try to enjoy every day. I mean, in, in recovery communities for addiction, that's, you know, day at a time, one day at a time. I can do it. I can do it again today, I'll do it again today, I'll do it again today, just repeat. Because um, that's really all you can control. Um, what can you control? Just today. Well, just you? your attitude Your attitude toward today. Okay. Toward and, but go ahead and make the will. <laughs> Alright, well thank you very much for your participation today, and we'll come back and, and look at some actual verses uh, next time. Thank you. <laughs>